0: For the
1: champion tour, and we've already had that happen. So.
0: That Some kind of
2: magic that takes you there.
3: I call the Planning Commission study session to order. Welcome to the August 22nd Huntington Beach Planning Commission study session. While the Planning Commission welcomes public involvement and free speech, it rejects comments from anyone that are discriminatory, defamatory, or otherwise not protected speech. Those comments will not inform nor be considered by the Planning Commission and may be cause for the chair to interrupt the speaker. Such comments will not be consented to or otherwise adopted by the Planning Commission in its discussions and findings for any matter tonight. Thank you. And at this point, I'd like to ask um, um, Commissioner Wood to uh, please uh, do the Pledge of Allegiance for us. Will you please stand? Thank you. May we have roll call, please?
4: Yes, good evening. Commissioner Adam? Present. Commissioner Acosta-Galvon? Here. Vice Chair Twining? Chair Pellman? Here. Commissioner Kennedy? Here. Commissioner Rodriguez? Here. Commissioner Wood? Here. We have a quorum. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Um, At this point, um, it's public comments, and I would like, uh, do you have anybody signed up?
5: We do, we have Brian, I might mispronounce this, apologies, Thinus to come down and speak. Is there only,
3: for clarification, is there only one public speaker? Yes. Okay, thank you. And just for clarification, um, we give uh, three minutes for comments, so thank you.
2: Yeah, good evening uh, commissioners my name is brian Thenis. i live at uh, 4512 ocean ridge drive in huntington beach we're just south of this proposed development and uh, i am actually uh, not prepared to speak i only got a notification of this uh this morning i believe or last night so we didn't quite have time to uh, put anything together but um you know i had a uh i built a block wall my first house I bought in 1986, and I went and built a block wall. And the inspector said the wall was two feet, or six foot, two inches. And I said, well, the code says six feet. So I think six feet, five inches is actually six feet, because it would round to six feet. Anyway, I never I never got signed off on the, on the permit, and that was in, back in the 80s. And, and I thought wow all right what a great city to live in and I've lived there since uh, you know, bought the house when I was 23 I've had three different houses in Huntington Beach and and I think the city does a great job with code enforcement uh, you know um, but you know, little do I know all I had to do was file a specific plan for my block wall and I could have got my permit for my six foot two inch block wall I'm not sure how you do that you know because blocks have to step every eight inches and um, we have codes that we we live by that we bought into the community that um, that, that we, we, we you know we enjoy the the nature of our neighborhood um, I you know, watched what happened at Bella Terra, I watched what happened downtown with the density of these residential uh, apartments, and I, and, I, and I get it. You know, I understand things have to change, but I don't see why we need a zone change or a specific plan. I, I believe the project could be built. Obviously, projects have to go through a reuse process, but when you look around and you look at the other buildings, and you look, wow, there are three-story condos a- across the street, but they step up and they're set way back, and there was a lot of thought that went into the process of of uh, you know deciding what fits the neighborhood and, and how do you fit the neighborhood. And I'm looking at these plans, thinking this is like a skyscraper, and it's going to be very tall, and it's going to be, it's just it's just too big. Um, so. I did just recently get elected to the uh, Board of Directors of the Brightwater Community. Um, The reason why I did that, there was a survey uh, that the developer must have given to Keystone Management, our, our Homeowners Association Management, that says, do you love the project? Do you want information about the project? And there was no way to really object to it in that survey. So if that survey comes up regarding the Brightwater community, I would really appreciate it if that that were disagreed or disallowed in, in any conversation.
3: Thank, thank, you, thank you very much. Thank you. We have no further speakers. Um, at this point we're at the study session. And next on the agenda will be a study session item which is the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Project. And I believe staff has a presentation.
4: Yes, senior planner Hayden Beckman is the project planner and will be giving the presentation tonight.
6: Thank you, Matt. Good afternoon, honorable chair and fellow commissioners. Uh, we're here this afternoon to provide an introductory overview of a proposed project that you previously referred to as the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Project. I'm Hayden Beckman, project planner. Um, following staff's presentation, uh, the applicant uh, and members of their team will provide additional details about Uh, the existing site, the project vision, and design, uh, after which we'll be open for comments and questions. So to begin, the project request includes five applications, a general plan amendment, a zoning map amendment, a zoning text amendment, a conditional use permit, and a final environmental impact report, which I'll describe further shortly. Um, More specifically, this project involves the construction of a senior living community that would include 202 total units. The breakdown of those units would be 102 independent living units, 72 assisted living units, and 28 memory care units. The project also includes a subterranean parking garage that would provide 189 on-site parking spaces. And the project includes on-site indoor and outdoor amenities, as well as dining facilities with alcohol service, and associated hardscape and landscape improvements. Here's a overhead shot of the existing project site outlined in yellow. Um, in total, the gross project site is 3.1 acres. It, does com- it is comprised of two, par- two parcels, 4952 and 4972 Warner Avenue. And these two properties are currently developed with approximately 55,000 square feet of commercial space. The project site indicated here centrally located with a colored site rendering. Um, To the north across Warner Avenue are commercial uses including a two story retail center as well as a Walgreens and a CVS pharmacy. East of the project site across Bolsa Chica Street is a mix of commercial and residential uses including the harbor tire at the intersection as well as single family homes running south along Bolsa Chica. To the south is a commercial office building and to the west are residential condos and apartments. The project site is currently designated by the general plan as commercial general. And shown here are the surrounding land use designations. North of the site, uh, across Warner, are property zone CG, or commercial general. East across Bolsa Chica Street is a mix of commercial general and residential medium density. To the south is a parcel designated public semi-public with an underlying ge- uh, commercial general designation. And to the west are property zoned residential medium high density. Upon implementation of the general plan amendment, the, zone, uh, the, the land use designation would be modified from CG to mixed use. Here's a map of the zoning designations which effectively mirror those of the general plan with commercial general to the north and east, as well as residential um, down both Chica Street. Uh, bordering the property on the south is, uh, as I mentioned, a commercial general property. And to the west, are residential medium high density. The zoning map amendment, if approved, would result in the modification of the designation from CG to specific plan number nineteen. So, to provide an overview of the proposed specific plan, the city currently has eighteen adopted specific plans throughout the city. This would be uh, this would constitute the nineteenth specific plan, and this is a the zoning text amendment would rezone the subject site pursuant to uh, HBZSO Chapter 215. And effectively, the specific plan would establish the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Specific Plan, which writes the development standards that are pertinent to the proposed project. And the project is largely consistent with the development standards of the current commercial general uh, zone. Under the proposed specific plan, there are, however, a few areas of deviation. The height of the proposed structure is 65 feet, whereas the maximum height in the CG zone is currently 50 feet. Uh, Additionally, parking for the proposed project generates a requirement of 189 spaces, I'm sorry, 209 spaces under current code uh, for the park. uh, But according to a parking analysis for the convalescent use, a total of 189 spaces is provided which would meet demand for that type of land use. Finally, the current code also stipulates a floor area ratio of 1.5 in the commercial general zone. The proposed specific plan would establish a maximum floor area ratio of 2.5, and the proposed project is calculated at 2.42. It is important to note that the floor area ratio of a specific plan of approximately three acres is comparable with the densities of specific plans that cover otherwise larger planning areas. And finally, the project was analyzed under final EIR number 21004. The EIR process began in November 2022, when the city issued a notice of preparation and hosted a scoping meeting to highlight the areas of analysis that would be covered in the environmental impact report. By May of 2023, the draft EIR was completed, and it was circulated for a 45-day public review period, uh, during which time staff received a total of 50 comment letters from both agencies and interested parties. And the response to those comments is included in the final environmental impact report that was attached to the study session agenda so this concludes staff's portion of the presentation for the study session and i would like to hand it over to the applicant's team Um, i do want to note that in order to avoid redundancy i have not gotten into the elevations the features uh, or the operation of the proposed community because the applicant will cover those topics And at the conclusion of the applicant's presentation, I'll put up this slide again as a suggestion of topic areas uh, uh, that the commission may want to address upon our conclusion. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Okay.
7: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. My name's Tom Lawless with Heinz. And I want to introduce uh, Christopher as well from Clearwater Living, as well as Natalie from our architecture team, WEATG. We're excited to present both Chica Senior Living to you today. So starting off with who we are very quickly, Heinz uh, is a family-run uh, real estate development company. Uh, We have offices all around the globe, but we've been operating in Southern California for over 40 years. Uh, We've actually been in operations for 70 plus years, and we have experience across residential projects, uh, senior living, office, industrial, et cetera. Uh, But we're really excited about delivering senior housing in Huntington Beach and in Orange County writ large, given the high demand in this location. Uh, You know, Heinz is a real estate development company, but a senior living property requires operations 24-7. Seniors require care, and that's not our expertise. Mm -hmm. So that's why we've uh, partnered with Christopher's firm, uh, Clearwater Living, to bring on a best-in-class operating group so that they can take care of the seniors at the project. Uh, So I'll let him introduce Clearwater.
1: Thank you, good afternoon. I'm Christopher Hilbert with Clearwater Living. Clearwater Living is a Orange County-based owner-operator developer of senior communities throughout the western United States. Uh, but our primary hub and home is here in Orange County. Um, with, we have properties ranging from uh, Reno to Sonoma to, to Oxnard, North Tustin, Newport Beach, um, and uh, we have a development pipeline, includes three additional properties here in Southern California as well. But we're primarily focused on uh, quality of life issues for our residents, and that, that is our primary focus.
7: And just why we wanted to touch on our background, we wanted to make sure that uh, you understood that the collective experience of this team is quite vast and we have a track record of success in this product type. It's our full intention to deliver a best-in-class project uh, that the community can be really proud of. And we bring an institutional know-how, but a local understanding. We both live here locally. Uh, And it's our intention to build a community that really allows seniors to age in place uh, in their own city providing a continuum of care from independent living through memory care. And you know, Bolsa Chica Senior Living, the project that we've uh, conceptualized is hopefully something that seniors will be proud to live in, that their family members will be proud to visit them in. Uh, and something that's really important to Christopher's team is combating loneliness in seniors. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, the resident type, the individual who maybe who has lost a spouse, who is living alone in their home, who maybe can no longer drive, how do they maintain connectivity and community and, you know, happiness? And honestly, bringing them to a more dense environment where they have daily activities, uh, you know, a, a gym on site, a pool, wellness, that's going to be critical to extending their life to, and making them much happier. And so that's what we're really here to talk about today. So. I wanted to talk a little bit about senior living in general and what's happening uh, writ large in in the senior space. So it's no surprise to you all that the baby boomers are retiring uh, and aging, but uh, some pretty stark numbers that we wanted to share with you all. Uh, You know, at this time, the senior population is about to double in the next 20 years. So you think about, you know, where these folks are going to end up and how that uh, dynamic will play out. And these folks are likely needing to downsize. So they're living in current single-family homes, uh, potentially a couple thousand square feet, potentially multi-story. You know, those environments can become unsafe and, you know, difficult for them to live in. And so they're looking to find alternative places to live in. Uh, At the same time that the population's growing massively, uh, this is a US statistic, but the gap in terms of the amount of senior housing supply that's being added is uh, not keeping up, and so currently today there's about a million units undersupplied of senior living across the U.S. And by the end of the decade, it's projected to be over two million units. And you'll notice that that started to get worse uh, post-COVID, with um, you know p- people building less senior living spaces, uh, people um, pulling back from that space. Uh, we need to buck that trend and start uh, building these units for these folks to live in, uh, and you know this is creating challenges for folks to find a place to live and stay in their communities. Uh, and we actually have noted in the data that this is even more acute in Huntington Beach, given the unique demographics that you guys have here. So these are the macro. This is the macro data, but uh, why Huntington Beach? So some pretty interesting statistics here as well. of the Huntington Beach population is currently over the age of 60. And as I mentioned, that population is looking to double uh, in the next 20 years. Uh, And at the same time that Huntington Beach's supply of senior living is on the older supply, and it's not keeping up generally with the growing need. Uh, In just two years, the data that we've run for Huntington Beach projects that we'll need 370 units per year to keep up with the demand. Otherwise, folks will be looking to move out uh, or stay at home, potentially in in an environment that doesn't necessarily work for them. Uh, If anyone here has elder loved ones in the area, you may run into this issue of trying to find a place for them. Uh, We've spoken to a lot of folks in the community, and oftentimes they talk about how they had to look for places in South County or much further away from Huntington Beach that didn't allow them to connect with their families as much as they'd like to. And so, you know, our our aim is to provide a project that allows seniors to age in place, and Christopher will talk about this a little bit later, but the intent is to offer both uh, independent living, assisted living, and memory care all under one roof, so uh, folks can stay in the same building and not have to move around properties as their level of care changes. To show you guys a little bit more data about Huntington Beach and the existing supply uh, of units, Uh, this is a quick snapshot so there's currently 463 units in the city and the average age of those communities is 23 years old Uh, the only project on that list that offers the full continuum of care as I just mentioned is Merrill Gardens and that's 120 units Uh, and you'll also note geographically the majority of them are located off Beach Boulevard uh, leaving you know a a large gap in the northwest section of the city There has been a project recently approved uh, called Seacliff, and so that's uh, 226 units, and that's currently in the design phase. Uh, And so if you add our project to that, uh, the projected total units would be about 900 in the city. And on the next slide, you'll see here, here's the projection for potential senior living demand in Huntington Beach. And effectively, over the next five years, it's projected that about 2,000 units of senior living would be required to meet the demand. And with this project, we would be around 900 in the city. So, uh, you know, ultimately, this is an issue that is happening across the country. It's fairly acute in Huntington Beach, given the demographics of this population. This will not be the you know, last project that you all see uh, that's senior living likely in this uh, in this city, given the demand that's that they're facing. Um, and our hope was to effectively find a commercial zone to bring a commercial use and not to try to stick uh, you know, a dense building in uh, a high residential area. And so trying to find commercial areas in the city that are nearby retail and nearby pharmacies, that was the intent with this location. So transitioning to the site location, Hayden touched on this a good amount already, uh, so I won't belabor it, but. Uh, Currently a three-story office building and a two-story retail plaza. Some of you might be familiar with the Little Caesars there. Uh, One thing I did want to mention is you've likely read in the news the difficulty that the office space is facing. Um, A lot of office buildings are not filled up, uh, having a difficult time maintaining tenants, and don't really have much money to spend on upkeep. This building is definitely in that category. Uh, It's not really a core office location. And uh, over time, it's not likely that this property will continue to be successful in its current use. So either it needs to change into something else or it's likely going to decline in its current state, just given where the office space is these days. Uh, Showing you the site plan overlaid here, and we'll get into more detail, so I apologize if it's a little difficult to read. But I wanted to talk through kind of the uh, access points to the site. So we were intentional about trying to keep access to the site primarily on Bolsa Chica, a less trafficked road than Warner. Um, all of the parking is subterranean, uh, which you'll see the, the word ramp uh, to the south side of the site. The intent there is to reduce noise, you know, provide better security, better aesthetics than having surface parking. Uh, we do have a, a drop off area as well um, that would be used if um, you know a resident goes out with a family member um, or someone's coming to tour the property potentially, but the majority of the vehicle traffic will be subterranean going under the ramp and then we do have an access point off of Warner, but that's only for services uh, so again, the intent there was to keep traffic off of Warner as much as possible uh in addition, you know, you'll notice that we included pretty generous setbacks across the project. Uh, that was intentional, uh, a fair amount of landscaping and a lot of outdoor space. So, you know, seniors move into these facilities, communities, and uh, they don't tend to leave very often. So the hope is to try to build an environment that uh, still provides outdoor uh, spaces for them to enjoy. And so you'll see the center of the project has a fairly large outdoor courtyard And then the west portion of the project has a a pool area as well. Um, The last thing I want to mention about the site plan is the majority of the first floor is all amenity space. And so again, these folks move into these buildings and they don't tend to leave. How do you keep it an exciting and engaging environment? You have to offer multiple dining venues. It's not just one cafeteria you go to, you could choose from four or five different restaurants. Uh, you can go to the gym. You can go to the spa. You can get your haircut. You can go to the movie theater. You can go to the art studio. Right? It's trying to create exciting new spaces for these folks, and uh, you know that was the intention with the, the first story of the building is to keep it primarily amenity space. All right, I'm going to hand it off for some design and architectural.
5: Hi, good evening, everyone. My name is Natalie Ruiz. I'm a licensed architect with WATG, and to be providing an overview of the architectural style and, and design. So overall, the character of the project takes cues from Huntington Beach's familiar coastal lifestyle um, with a fresh and contemporary interpretation, even in the color palette that was inspired from a scene of white buildings and sand against a you know, stark blue sky. And so the team also relied on the importance of creating a meaningful place that will strengthen connections within the community, and then also build on Huntington Beach's culture. And so these items, combined with what we learned from community feedback and city comments, has really informed the design that you're seeing today. So what you're looking at here are just a few views that capture um, the overall project from various angles. So despite being a single structure, the building is designed with varying roof lines, recesses, pushes and pulls, and the massing, especially at the corner of Bolsa Chica and Warner where the building mass is inset. And we did that to try to balance its presence along the commercial corridor. Um, The exterior finishes and varying color palette together with balconies and terraces reduce the mass down to a more human scale. And so this helps the structure seem as though it's comprised of many smaller buildings as opposed to one large mass. And then this also helps ease the depths of shadows along the neighboring streets and walkways. Um, In terms of the overall massing and the height, the total number of proposed floors gives us just the right amount of space that's needed to provide a variety of amenities and services. And you know this is important. We wanna make sure the residents have an all-inclusive experience. Um, also, having these, these spaces for services and amenities, indoor, outdoor, it's really important in combating social isolation. And it fosters a sense of community and improves the quality of life for our residents. Um, The proposed building also creates economies of scale um, for utilities such as water, electricity, and sewage, um, all which serve a larger number of residents in a more compact area and reduces the strain on the local infrastructure. Uh, The overall planning is designed with thoughtful landscape, especially along the site edges, as Tom mentioned. Um, We wanted to provide a lush buffer along Warner and. Bulsa, where the setbacks are 10 feet on both sides. And then also, um, with respect to the landscape, we have lots of courtyards and decks. And this is to celebrate California's you know, indoor, outdoor lifestyle. We integrated a lot of biophilia. It's been proven that you know, planting promotes wellness and healing. And then also to really embrace socialization. And so, whether it's curated for the residents or just ch- chance encounters. And also, as Tom mentioned, with respect to parking, all the parking is below grade. This is very intentional so that the site itself isn't busy with traffic, with cars parked. Um, and it also you know, gives more opportunity for additional landscape. Everything is at the same elevation in terms of access to ground level amenities and the main lobby from adjacent walking paths. And so overall, in terms of the design, it was just important for us to be contextual within Huntington Beach, and then also facilitate community operations where services and care are provided for residents in a place where they can thrive. And so I'll hand it over to Christopher.
1: Thank you. So. Our plan for this community is that we would offer a continuum of care for seniors, starting with uh, what we would call more active adults in our independent living, but with an ability to age in place and not have to move from community to community as their needs change. So we have a mix of both independent living, assisted living, and ultimately memory care units on site. It's interesting because the, the average age uh, of our resident um, has continued to increase over time. And that really has done two things. Number one is we've had to uh, be more specific in terms of details related to our, uh, to our creation of amenity space. Um, and secondly, we've had to be focused on the more acute needs of a more elderly resident. Uh the, the primary goal here is that when a family makes a decision with their loved one, uh, that this would be their home, that they don't need to make multiple moves that they can continue to age in place. Relative to amenities, you've heard this word multiple times, socialization, uh, quality of life, programming. Um, We were, in preparing for this, uh, the research, one of the research items that popped up was that loneliness is equal to smoking 14 cigarettes a day um, in terms of its negative effects on your health. So one of the things that we are primarily focused on is an active, uh, an active opportunity for each of our residents uh, to participate in different functions. So that programming uh, requires a mix of space and it requires a mix of planning. So you'll see on, the, on what is the first floor of our community, uh, you see various different areas for our residents to get involved, whether that is the demonstration kitchen, dining areas, uh, the, the lounge and music, Uh, the theater Uh, we have salon space fitness and studio directly to the right of the fitness and studio we have what we call wellness units which are available for residents who have uh, specific needs um, that can be addressed on the first floor of the community but the majority of the space on the first floor is open amenity space with interior courtyards and exterior walking areas uh, including areas for them to bring their pets as well As Tom touch base on it's not just about creating spaces but for many of our community members they'll eat three meals a day seven days a week in this community and um, i don't know about you but eating at the same place looking at the same menu and every day would ultimately uh, not be that satisfying so uh, with multiple rotating menus uh, ranging from uh, kind of standard american fare through uh, all various types of cuisines located in four to six different areas, there'll be complete opportunities for our residents to take advantage. It's important that we continue to, to provide not only varied menus, but locations so that there's something different each day. In addition, our design integrates a holistic well-being for each of our residents with a mix of both indoor and outdoor activities. Options will be available for each level of acuity. Um, you know, As we look at our amenities, our dining, uh, and uh, we look at uh, some of what we call the more simple pleasures, like lounges, wine rooms, bars, and bistros, we have to remember that many of our residents are leaving single-family homes where they have uh, a wine fridge, where they have a, a big-screen TV with surround sound so they can watch uh, their favorite college football team. Um, we have to replicate that. Um, and not only are we replicating it for the resident, but more importantly in general, uh, we're replicating it for the resident's family because it's usually a joint decision between who our resident's gonna be and statistically the adult daughter. But, um, but generally speaking, the family makes a decision uh, collectively to move here. So we have to appeal to both the families. They need to know that their, that their loved one is gonna be well cared for, first and foremost through our caregiving um, uh, through our hands-on approach uh, to ensuring that each of our residents' needs are being met, through a holistic programming that we provide with multiple activities planned throughout the day for every acuity level. But they also, you know, no, they don't want their they don't want to perceive that their parents are taking a step back in their living conditions. And so they want to see that we have uh, the the luxuries that they might have in their single-family home. I think that's that's really important because as we, as we continue to focus on all of these activities, as we continue to focus on um, on the first floor, which we talk about incorporating um, individual health and fitness opportunities, um, if I could leave with one, with one specific item, I would say this, that the most important thing we can do is create housing opportunities for seniors that are near their family members. I go to our communities every week, multiple times, and hear stories of residents that are living in communities with their children that are 10s, 20s, 30s, 50 miles away. And in the beginning, the the visits are pretty frequent. But that 50 miles becomes a burden. That 20 miles becomes a burden when they're shepherding their own children around. And so to be able to create a community in the heart of Huntington Beach where residents work and play and shop where the children would be in close proximity, that adds a level of quality of life that we can't replicate as a manager, no matter what type of design or fitness facility or food we provide. Nobody can replicate having your children close by.
7: Okay. wrap up here we wanted to talk about uh, what we perceive to be the benefits to the community as well as cover some of our community engagement activities so you know we have spent a lot of time thinking about how this project can be beneficial to the community and you know we do think that one of the big benefits to the city writ large is to free up the supply of existing homes and so you know we're talking about about 250 beds here that we're looking to develop You know, those folks are moving out of large format homes. uh, That will free up supply for uh, younger families that are looking to buy a home in Huntington Beach without actually building any new homes. Uh, So we feel like that is a helpful uh, solution to some of our our land use questions on on new homes. In fact, in the data, about 80% of the independent living residents come out of single family homes. Uh, We also believe that there's gonna be some spillover benefits to our local institutions. one anecdote for uh, the group is, you know, we were at a Huntington uh, Chamber of Commerce event a few years ago, Golden West College was giving a talk, and they were mentioning a new um, seniors technician program that they were launching at the school. And uh, we reached out to them, we met with some of the faculty and staff, and you know, we're effectively excited about partnering with them to uh, provide job opportunities for those students to uh, work at this community. And then also they offered to uh, do free classes to the seniors at our building. So, you know, how can we create synergies with the existing institutions in Huntington Beach and create, you know, lifelong learning opportunities for the seniors to continue to educate themselves and also to, you know, hire folks who are in Huntington Beach. Uh, You know, we've talked a little bit about how we were very intentional about the architecture. Uh, This did come through a a number of consultative uh, conversations with the community about how to design the project so that it could fit in with the cultural context, something people are excited about. And so what Natalie covered, you know, a lot of that did come from conversations with folks in the community. Uh, let's see here. In terms of uh, the actual jobs that are driven by this project, you know, we do intend to hire 100 to 110 folks to work at the project. At any given time, it's more like 20 to 40 employees on site. Uh, but of course, it's a 24-7 facility. Uh, so. Um, you know that will be creating jobs for the community as well and uh, you know some of these seniors will be leaving the residence of course and you know patronizing the pharmacies nearby Uh, you know we are are appreciative of the Bolsa Chica wetlands nearby and for those who are ambulatory you know they can walk and enjoy that area uh, which we're excited to offer to them again wanted to hit on what we've done in terms of direct community engagement Uh, we've been working on this project for about 18 months and we started Uh, talking to the community effectively day one. Uh, We brought on Marlow Neighbor Mole as a community uh, outreach expert to run our team. And here's a quick example of some of the engagement activities that we've done. Uh, We held an open house for all residents within a thousand foot radius of the project location. Uh, That was double the city requirement of 500 feet. And that actually went to 1500 addresses in the area. And we held the meeting on site at the office project in the evening to ensure that people could attend. Uh, we created a project website with a form that folks could write whatever they wanted in there, ask questions about the project, uh, you know, complain about the project, uh, anything that they wanted to say. Uh, we hosted individual stakeholder meetings on the phone, via email, uh, and in person. Uh, we also engaged the tenants in these buildings. right? Uh, we wanna make sure we take care of the businesses that are currently located here. Um, we did have the benefit of time, uh, that this does take quite some time. And so we've been in communication with the tenants at the building. We held one-on-one meetings, offered relocation services, and keeping them abreast of our timeline uh, of when we would look to uh, demolish the property. Uh, We also engaged several local organizations. I I did mention the Chamber of Commerce, uh, as well as uh, the Council on Aging, and uh, tried to obtain as much feedback from them as we could. And as Hayden mentioned, we did run a full EIR process, and you are all familiar with the process that's required there in terms of the scoping session that's public and uh, everything that goes along with that and the public noticing. Um, And ultimately, the feedback from the community influenced some of the architectural elements I mentioned, but uh, we did pull back the fifth story. uh, As Natalie discussed, the setbacks on that fifth story are much larger than uh, the first couple levels. We also had feedback that the corner of Bolsa Chica and Warner, they wanted more setback and pulled back architecture there, so we did that. Um, The subterranean parking also came out of the feedback. Um, So there was productive uh, feedback offered that it did impact the design of the project. Uh, So ultimately, I just kind of want to wrap with uh, a summary of what we've discussed today. You know, the senior population is growing nationally, but actually fairly specifically in Huntington Beach, given the population here skews a bit older. Uh, the current site that we're considering, the office and retail, is not likely to be successful in the long term, uh, and, you know, we're proposing what we believe to be a best-in-class community to take care of the seniors here in Huntington Beach. Uh, and we, you might have heard us use the word community a lot tonight. Uh, there's some folks that call these, you know, senior living facilities, but we really do mean it when we say community in terms of the services and uh, socialization that these projects offer to the seniors. Uh, we already hit on you know, the fact that a lot of the, the residents do come from single-family homes, may have lost a spouse, and are looking to reconnect and build relationships. Uh, we do look forward to delivering a project that brings life excitement and activity back to the seniors here. Um, you know, On any given day, they could go to a swim class, uh, go to the golf simulator and you know, play Tory Pines, uh, eat at any of the number of restaurants, uh, make art or screen, screen an old film in the theater. Uh, or simply host their family and friends in a warm and inviting unit with views of Huntington Beach. Uh, we're excited to partner with the local institutions where we can, and we appreciate your time and look forward to any questions you have. Thanks.
3: Thank you. Is that it for all of you? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. And um, at this point, um, uh, commissioners, if you have any questions at this time, I will. Look <coughs> Um, speaker list and see if anybody wants to. Commissioner Twining.
8: First, I want to apologize for being late. I was going very fast at 10 miles an hour down the 405 freeway. Uh, just wasn't moving quite as fast as it normally does, so I apologize. Um, I want to thank all the the, the speakers tonight. The presentation was, was so good that I wrote down all these questions before I got here, and I was checking them off as I went. Um, I was just wondering if maybe somebody could just, um, uh, you know, as I was reading some of the comments uh, from the from the neighbors, uh, they there was a, um, a a lot of concern about the increase, the potential increase in traffic. Um, I was just wondering if you might be able to somebody could address that, because I do remember reading in the in these reports that the traffic was actually going to be less, and I was just wondering if maybe one of you guys could just address that real quick, just in a few words.
7: Yeah, happy to, and this is studied in the EIR as well. Um, but today, with the existing office and commercial retail use, that's how one would calculate the trips that are generated by the current use. Um, and so that's the comparative point. The EIR studied the trips that would be generated by our projects, and it's estimated that it would be about 50% of the current trips that the project generates today. And the main reason for that is none of the residents drive, right? Um, a very small subset of the independent living residents will bring a car, but they're not likely to use, utilize them often. And we have vans on site that help folks get to their appointments, and they use those in groups. So the primary trips are really generated by the employees. And as I mentioned, while we're looking to have about 100 employees uh, hired here, at any given time, it's more like 20 to 40 that are on site. and so. That's effectively the traffic generated by the project. Would be the, the employees coming and going on any given day, and then of course you know some visitors and um, the van maybe going out to some doctor's appointments, versus you know folks going in to uh, patronize the retail or the office buildings.
8: While I have you up, there, just one more question. Of course. Uh, and this question came to me via the uh, a text short short time ago. Um, yeah, you know, because it's an elderly you know, group of people that live there, there's lots of visits by maybe the the, the fire department, paramedics, where are they gonna, where's their ingress and egress uh, on this project?
7: We'll pull up the site plan for you. Okay. And I'd love for Christopher actually to maybe talk a little bit about what we generally see in terms of services coming to the site and how frequent that might be. I guess I'll, I'll start off saying, Off of Warner Avenue, you'll see that white element to the top left of the site plan. Uh, That hammerhead area is where we'll have trash service, food delivery service, and any emergency services that need to come on site. As you might imagine, um, the the intent is not to have EMS show up with their sirens blaring, and that doesn't make any residents feel very good. Um, And so uh, I'll leave that and then hand it to Christopher to talk a little bit more about what they see at their properties.
1: So historically, in the past, Based on the limitations that we had on our ability to literally assist residents who had fallen, uh, we had to call 911 to have folks come and literally just lift somebody up. Uh, But based on changes that have occurred in the last few years, the number of trips from emergency personnel to our communities has fallen dramatically. Uh, And because of that, uh, when we look at our local properties in Southern California, Um, We have um, just a handful of trips in any given month, um, much less uh, in in any given day. It's just not something that we see very often.
3: Commissioner Kennedy. Hello. Uh,
0: Good evening. Thanks for the presentation. I'm going to probably have a series of questions throughout um, as people go back and forth. So uh, my first question is, there's two parcels there so I did a uh, you know a, a public record search and it, and it looks like one of the applicants or you know one of the people involved in the project owns the larger parcel 4972 still shows and maybe they're part of the um, do you guys own both parcels let me just go there
7: no sir they're both under contract um, and so they're both in, owned independently of either Clearwater or Hines at this time We have them under option and uh, we would close on the site once we have uh, non-appealable entitlements.
0: Okay, Um, so the next question I have is, it's almost like the domino effect. You've got land use in general plans that don't conform. Let me ask actually this question for Hayden. Of the specific plans, this is number nineteen. How many of the specific plans are written by the applicants as opposed to city personnel on the previous eighteen? Uh, based
6: on my experience and recollection, a majority of them are written by the city, in in part the city, but also in conjunction with a larger master plan concept. That's the the intent of Chapter Two Fifteen is to provide uh, an avenue for. Uh, Long, large scale and longer term site planning without having to repeatedly come back for discretionary approvals. Um, and so, there's, there's no set range on the size or the scope of a specific plan. And so, we do have those that are much larger, such as Holly Seacliff. Um, and we also have several that are more site specific and much smaller and similar in scale uh, to these. So, it, it is on a case by case basis, but a, a, a lot of times they're written in conjunction with a project in mind.
0: Okay. Understood. It's my understanding in reading that this draft specific plan was written by the, by the applicants. Is that, is that true? It is. Yes. Okay. So is that somewhat unique? It's I mean, is, isn't that typically something that they're going to draft it to their advantage? Why wouldn't they?
4: Um, I could see intuitively seeming that way, but it's very much not the case. We go through an iterative process. So this has been going on for 18 months. And while they pen and draft, it goes through back and forth iterations from staff where we make comments, suggestions, require modifications. And that's just um, a division of labor, really. Um, There's other ones like the downtown specific plan where there isn't an applicant sponsoring the project where we are doing it ourselves, but again, it's very time consuming. So when we have the opportunity to have an applicant actually take basically first pass at drafting the language, that's the preferred approach, and that's not unique to Huntington Beach.
0: So is there a record of a first pass and then draft edits by, by our city planning?
4: Yeah, we keep track of all our all our edits, all our iterations. The same would go for site plans, et cetera.
0: I mean, is that public record where somebody could go in and see really how much say the city had and how much sway the developer had?
4: Every document I write or city staff write that's not client, attorney-client privilege is public record. Okay.
0: So it's always the case. So it just, um, it just seems like there's a lot of ask in this, a land use and general plan. They don't conform. Uh, the zoning change, zoning text amendment to meet the project needs. And let me preface it by saying I love seniors, okay? This isn't about the seniors. This is really about Huntington Beach. It's about the, the desires of the residents. And, and highest and best use could be senior living, Uh, I I know there's, you know, pushback that five stories of senior living might be a little bit over the top, Uh, and uh, so that that has to be taken into consideration. Uh, On the parking, uh, based on what I read, you know, although you guys are only going to park for 189, when you take the units based against the parking allocations, my math tells me there should be 208. I understand you're going to say that uh, many seniors don't drive, I get it but you know, employees drive, 20 to 40 employees, they're not all gonna get dropped off. So how does that square, because that was in your document, the 1.2 for the uh, ass- assisted and the memory care was like .65 against okay. the units.
7: No, and you're, you're exactly right. The, the response to that question is that uh, no memory care residents bring a car, uh, no assisted living residents bring a car. And so to your point, the, the most important component is the employee base and, and the visitors. And we also, you know, have uh, uh, looking at the analysis from our portfolio. Independent living units tend to have about thirty percent of folks bring a car. And so, you know, if you run the numbers on that, we have about 146 independent living beds. And so that would suggest about 45 cars, give or take, for the independent living units. Um, and then, you know, if you have the maximum amount of employees on site at any given time, that would roughly be 40. So that takes you to 85 uh, cars on site at that time accommodating for food service delivery, visitors, et cetera, you know, 20, 30, if you want, that takes you over 100. Um, as you said, the, the code would be over 200, but effectively when you look at the demand studies that were done and, and the portfolio that Christopher manages, the parking that is required by the city to, to be provided for these buildings is uh, in excess of really what's required.
0: Fair enough, okay. So. The last review for the general for the, the the city's general plan uh, I checked was 2017, uh, and I would imagine that's in a time period where the scope is is relative to forecasting for the future. I mean, the, the seniors were aging then as well, uh, so when they took that into consideration, it, it's not like it's an antiquated document. It's, it's six years old. I'm just wondering why there was no foresight, and now we need to have all these different land use change, general plan change, zoning text amendment, there's a lot of change. Six years ago, none of it reconciled with a need for change with our astute building department. And I mean that you know, seriously. I mean, you guys are, you know what you're doing. So w- what is that answer?
7: I can't respond to how they conceptualized it in 2017. To be honest, all I can say is that it was our intent to find a commercially zoned site Uh, where we could provide a commercial property and that appears to be how it's most effective to provide senior living at this time. Uh, The residential zoning designation doesn't necessarily accommodate the the type of use that we're conceptualizing here.
0: Okay. Uh, So based on the, the two parcels, I, I know in the original document said they combined equal 3.1 acres. I think the math's a lot closer to 2.8 acres. I know I'm splitting hairs here, but it's it, it's it's sub three, and I think you guys may have referenced that. So if it's 2.8, that's that's 79 units based on your unit count, between 75 and 79 units per acre, um, which does that square up with any other comparable, maybe Elon? Is that what Elon is, 75 units per acre?
4: It's difficult to compare this type of operation to senior living because not all units, are you know, they're independent units, but there's other levels of care. Um, So it would be like more akin to some of it to like a medical
6: use, like a hospital.
4: Um, In terms of density,
6: So um, the request for the general plan amendment would uh, modify the CG designation to mixed use. And in our current general plan land use element, there is no set density under the mixed use designation. Uh, And that was done with the intent of allowing for flexibility in project designs for those projects that were truly seeking a more modern mixed use adaptation and so that's what we actually have under this request the applicants are modifying the underlying general plan but uh to do it in in more alignment with what the market forces are are providing in in the community so um there's no set density as matt mentioned because it's a different type of land use it's not a traditional residential land use it's more of a quasi residential land use
0: okay and um so based on some research i did uh, you know this type of senior housing can range from they say 3 to 3 to 9000 with the median being about 5200 a month where do you guys see these rents coming in and uh, on that note the the offset that the people that are vacating their homes is going to open up the housing to the youth it's it's not about availability it's about price points the people that are going to be coming here spending 5 grand a month are not leaving homes that are going to be affordable to the youth so that part really doesn't sit well, but go ahead. What, what are the proposed rents?
7: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you hear this every time. We don't even know how much it's gonna cost to build this building yet. Um, we've only done a conceptual plan. Okay. The so.
0: average cost per foot for senior living is like 333 to 500 foot, let's go 333. So the capex there is 100 million plus land cost. So yeah. you're gonna have you know quite a basis right there so you know with only 200 and some units you're gonna to have to command quite a bit of rent, I would imagine, so you're gonna be on the high side. So again, the, the residents that would move from Huntington into those units are not vacating homes that the youth are gonna be buying, that's, that's a fact. But you have no idea, what, what you know no uh, you know, capital performer, where, where, you, where you need to be to cover your
7: costs? Yeah, no, sure, it'll be commensurate with the best-in-class product in the area. Um, and we, of course, have back-of-the-envelope costs that we did about a year ago.
0: But what, what are those?
7: you're you're spot on it's about it's over 100 million dollars to build the project
0: yeah so with that being said for 200 and uh, what is it 212 on the unit count or whatever where does that shake out on a monthly rent i mean somebody must have run that
7: yeah yeah you're right it's 5000 or more per month mm-hmm.
0: okay okay so i mean that kind of puts a bay that people going there are leaving homes that are affordable to the youth is this does any of this have to be dedicated to affordable housing? Does this fall in line with multifamily, things like that? Uh, there's no affordable housing requirement for these types of uses. Okay. So we make up nothing on that. But uh, Okay, that's it for now. Thank you very much for those answers.
1: Just, just one additional point is that for our assisted living and memory care residents, their rent is inclusive of all of their uh, of not only the amenities and care, but also the uh, the, the meals. So that is, is there going
0: to be subsidies or are these purely paid by the residents?
1: Is this is 100% resident paid. Okay.
0: Thank you for now.
3: Thank you. Um, any other commissioners? Okay, my turn. Oh, did oh,
9: excuse me, Commissioner Wood. Hey, thank you for the presentation. I got a couple. More engineering questions. This land use will, I think, will uh, increase water and sewer demands. Is there any issues with local impacts or treatment impacts at the treatment plant?
7: Yeah, this was studied in the EIR and they didn't uh, say that there was any impacts from this project. I believe it was less than 1% of the total capacity of the current infrastructure.
9: Okay. Um, So I, I do live in the area. I walk my dog right by the property pretty much every day. It can get crowded in the mornings when school shifts. Are your shift changes the same time as school drop-offs, and or we, could you guys have shift changes that are you know off-peak hours?
1: It that's it, very variable. We can. That's we, not because we would want that benefit for our for our employees as well.
9: Okay, all right. And then I just got to ask about the continuum. Um, I love the fact that the continuum starts at age eighty-two. I feel like that gives me a good leeway, but. <laughs> I look going from independent living at 82, then to assisted at 84, and then memory care at 85. That's not like your guys' commitment to people, right? I just want to make sure. No. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. I, just, I, mean, I know it's a joke, but I, is that, are those real numbers?
1: Those are real numbers. That's how,
9: fast, that's how fast it can go once you're at 82?
1: Again, it's, it's an average for the age of an occupant in each one of those, uh, in each one of those
10: classifications. Wow. Okay. Thank you.
3: Commissioner
9: Wood.
10: Thank you. Uh, question for staff on the site plan where there are the side setbacks to the western portion of the property. It appears as though the subterranean parking structure impedes into that 10-foot setback. Is that something that's typical?
6: Uh, it, it is typical oftentimes for subterranean parking garages themselves to be within a setback area. Again, um, it, it's more of an engineering design uh, feature when when possible or feasible. Um, but the setbacks themselves are, are measured from property line to above-grade uh, portions of the, the building.
10: Okay, thank you. Um, my other question was there were some comments, obviously, about parking spilling over onto adjacent streets. And... Um, since we have Mr. Eros here. um, Would there be the need to red curb Bolsa Chica at any point for emergency services?
7: We can uh, provide that in the future. We have to consult with Public Works as far as red curbing that.
10: Okay, thank you. And then just a comment on uh, Commissioner Kennedy's comment about specific plans i would think that probably 80 percent of the ones i've written in my tenure in the development business have been written by developers because a the city doesn't really know what you want and b um nothing against you guys but we normally can get it done a bit faster (laughs) and keep the process moving so that's all i have for now thank you
3: Commissioner Rodriguez,
10: please. Yeah, a lot of my questions were already
9: answered by the questions from commissioners, but I I did read the EIR, and there was no mention about undergrounding utilities, uh, particularly in by the streets, also Chica and Warner. Uh, could you share a little bit about that? And
7: I don't want to speak out of turn because I haven't studied that section just very recently. I do recall there is some utility work along Warner, but I need to go re-familiarize myself, so we can follow up on that item,
6: actually. And following up on on what Tom just mentioned, it is a standard um, code requirement that above-ground utilities be undergrounded with new development, so um, beyond that, being familiar with the site, I do believe that there are some above-ground utilities on the western side of Bolsa Chica Street, but much farther to the south, than the intersection, and there may be a very minor overlap toward the southeast corner uh, of the project site, um, and if uh, I'd be more than happy to work with with Steve to confirm that at the public hearing.
10: Okay,
9: and then one more question. Um, I know you talked about uh, having a partnership with Golden West College. Is there any uh, thoughts on local hire or you know reaching out some of the local trades for building this project?
7: Uh, we haven't addressed that as of yet. We're still 12 months away, potentially, from being ready with permits from the city. Uh, mm-hmm. Post-approval, potentially, for, on the entitlements, it would take at least 12 months. So um, you know, we'd look to bid out to contractors to get the work done and would consider it that time.
1: Okay. And more importantly for our, our long-term permanent employees, we would always do community outreach and hiring job fairs in the local community. We feel that's the, the best way to, to staff our associates.
3: Okay, thank you. Okay, um, I guess I'll say something. Okay, so um, just for clarification, this is not overseen by the Department of Health, but it's the Department of Social Workers, Social right? Social services. Correct. Social services, yes. Which means that staying there, Medicare, like in a sniff, it, you know, you'd get days covered and stuff like that. So none of that happens in this Correct. facility.
1: This is completely.
3: It's completely. And, and I know from my years in hospice and home health um, that some places, you know, they uh, accept patients and they say, you know, we'll take your home and you'll stay here for the rest of your life and all that stuff. You don't do that, right? No, they no. do that in Pasadena.
1: <laughs> Are you talking about the, the CCRC model? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: No, this is, no. That, this, is not, this is not a buy-in model where okay. where they buy in. This is... A more you know, traditional housing okay
3: model. all right so I just wanted to ask that and then going over the emergency evacuation what happens if there's um, you know uh, an emergency like an earthquake how do you guys deal with that what's the plan
1: so each one of our properties has a, has their own specific emergency plan that is developed um, throughout the development process and so, you know, much a little further down the line as we work in conjunction with our general contractor on the actual physical improvements of the property, uh, plus with our designers and our architects on uh, ingress and egress points. We develop that plan in, in in conjunction with each of our associate base. So each, for example, each floor has a floor captain. Uh, okay. The floors are broken down into individual quadrants. Quadrant captains evaluate each individual unit, make sure that uh, residents that are uh, ambulatory have been moved. Are, are moving and those that aren't are being moved um, so each each property has its own specific plan
3: okay and talking about that that kind of leads into one of my other questions which is the flow of the residents living there how you, am, am i correct when i was reading some of this um, the information that you're going to have independent living on various floors and assisted living on various floors and then the memory care like on maybe two floors or something like correct. that is that correct so how does that work I mean how do how do you I mean is it like doors that you enter and you go into the assisted living part exactly okay exactly
1: and right. in, independent living and assisted living um, will will everything will look and feel very similar so uh, a resident doesn't feel that they're in in one classification or another classification. Um, and the amenities are available for everyone. Uh, the one specific area um, that has access control is the memory care uh, portion of our community. Uh, memory support has a very special um, higher, higher demand, higher acuity resident that requires us to have additional staffing on a per, kind of per patient basis. Um, and that specific area will be access controlled, but the balance of the community is access control for community members, but those members can go anywhere.
3: And so when you're talking, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, Memory Care has all their meals within Memory Care, correct? correct? Assisted living, how is that gonna work with the independent living?
1: Anywhere from, the, the, the assisted living dining areas, we're looking at anywhere from four to six potential dining options, um, and independent living and assisted living can dine together. They're, okay. There's, right. there's no separation or segregation
3: okay I just wanted to clarify that I
1: appreciate it those are good questions actually
3: <laughs> thank you um, the last thing is I wanted to go over the um, the migratory bird act that was referenced in the um, study and um, it said that the shorebirds fly at 3,000 feet, or something like that, but they're so close to the to the wetlands, they don't go like this and then go, Beep, you know, like that. And and I know from living where I live that the geese that I know they go over to the Bolsa Chica wetlands, and uh, they they sometimes fly into telephone lines, and um, so they're not that they're not a thousand feet or two thousand feet up. So can you please address that?
7: I certainly can't claim to be an expert beyond the study that you're quoting. Um, And so, you know, we've also been talking to folks who help manage these wetlands and trying to understand feedback from them. And from what we're hearing from those folks, uh, some of the folks we speak to at least, is that they tend to agree that there is not much of an impact. Um, And I, I don't, I'm not an expert architect and I can't necessarily say that the design specifically you know, doesn't attract birds or such, but I, w- I guess I will say, as more of a layman, if you will, that it's not a glass box. Uh, it's, there's not you know, a ton of windows that don't have uh, architectural detail on them, and so if I'm going to make a conjecture with you, I would say I, I feel like there's more issues with uh, bird strikes when there's you know, unobstructed windows and glass lines, and the architectural elements of this project are much more complex and it's not a big glass box or unobstructed windows. And so hopefully that's a mitigant. But again, that's beyond my expertise.
3: So when this project comes back, could you maybe clarify it a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because uh, some of the other projects that have come before the planning commission, they've done things that have uh, made the features of the windows, so to say, so that it's not attractive to the birds. And so I'm hoping that that that's going to be addressed when you come back. Understood. And Thank you. then um, let's see. I have a request that if you know everything goes through, um, if this is possible, if you would work with the senior center to, you know, like you're working with Golden West College, have the senior center offer some of their programs for you through you guys. I didn't hear that mentioned, so. I want to make so sure that
1: we have a an activities and community coordinator in each one of our uh, each one of our communities um, and that is probably the first stop if, if not the second stop so it will definitely be incorporated
3: perfect perfect and then let's see I think that's all of my uh, questions uh, just one more the sewer capacity study and the water capacity study um, there was concern that it wasn't going to be a big enough um, system to, to for those two for the sewer and the water. Can you address that, please?
7: Can you clarify your question?
3: Well, there was referenced many times well, a few times let's put it that way that the sewer capacity and the water capacity studies um, that there were residents who basically had commented that there that the project wasn't going to be you know, having a big enough you know like storm drain and all that stuff. Can you address that, please?
7: Sure, and, and Hayden might want to as well, but uh, the, the EIR studied the sewer and water uh, demand of this project, and the civil uh, plan for water drainage was also studied, and the city staff agreed that the project would be effective in its current formulation.
6: Yeah. So to follow up on that, um, based on the draft analysis in the EIR, th- there were uh, project-specific studies that were completed and provided for review and comment. Okay. Um, there have been a couple iterations of of that review, and those comments have been incorporated into the project. Um, and so the finding in the EIR is that with mitigation applied, which includes uh, water quality management uh, and other stormwater uh, treatments, that the impacts would be less than significant. So we are um, in in uh we concur with the with those with those findings effectively um but we also did provide a response to the comments that's a part of the final eir right so we just wanted to be clear that that our record has incorporated those and that the project in in its current form and subject to both code requirements and conditions of approval will meet the necessary uh, capacity
3: and then the last question about water we're expecting a huge storm this winter just giant, you know, like one after another, it, does a subterranean garage um, have features that make the water not go down into the garage? How does that work?
7: Yes, uh, we will have on-site groundwater quality management systems in place. That's okay. effectively to like clean. Like pumping it? Uh, it's Stores it for a moment, I believe, before it uh, inputs it to the, back to the system so that there's not an overflow, okay. uh, and there's also a um, water quality management basins where the water is clean, so dirty water doesn't get into the water system. Um, I'm not 100% on the exact uh, specifics of the parking structure, and we can return with a better answer for you Okay, that.
3: thank you, I appreciate that, thank you. Okay, I, unless anybody else has, Commissioner Kennedy.
0: Thank you. Few more questions here, and appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, so, I, I think from the resident standpoint, I read there's maybe 50 different uh, responses in categories that were all similar. But you know, you might think, well, that's really not a lot. The problem is, it's such a complex complex document. It's really difficult to digest. I would imagine the general. This is a little bit of speculation, but I think I'm pretty spot on. I would imagine the surrounding residents, and really most of Huntington Beach. Doesn't want to see a precedent set with a you know sixty-five foot five-story building because it's now setting a precedent that you can go out, change the land use, get a new zoning text amendment, and, and take everything that's already been laid out in the general plan thoughtfully. Like this was only six, seven years ago. This was under review, uh, and either our planning department didn't forecast the need for this, or they missed it. But with that said, like for example. So the current zoning allows for 50 feet. So this zoning now would allow for 65 feet plus mechanical equipment. And then there's a, a there's a, a municipal code 230.72, which could add another 10 feet. So you could con- conceivably be at 75 feet plus equipment. That sets a terrible precedent for the people here in Huntington Beach, in, in my opinion. And I, I think I can speak for the majority of residents that elected our council that, you know, Surf City. We we love our uh, seniors. I'll be one. I, my mom's old. You know, everybody has elders. But to to set a precedent that you can go out and change land use, put sixty five, seventy feet worth of building up on these corners because you have the money to do so, and it kind of flies in the face of really what I believe Huntington Beach is all about. And I know you have to accommodate. Uh, I think somebody in the question, uh, uh, one of the comments was, you know, why does it have to be so big? One of the stated goals, which I thought was a little bit over the top, says our goal is to build as many units as possible. That's in the document. I read it somewhere. There's so much document documents to read. I should have made a little bit more sightings to the pages. But that, that was just a blatant, hey, we're going to build as many units as we can. I thought that was a little bit not uh, what I would call friendly neighborhood talk. Uh, so that's just an observation. A couple, uh, a couple other things. So you, you guys are talking about moving fifty-five thousand tons or 50, uh, uh, in a massive amount of dirt uh, for the subterranean. So I know our water table is very high here. I tried to put a pool in, uh, and they wouldn't let me go nine feet because I was going to hit the water table. So how, you know, what, what's the offset for the water table? So you can let that thing for a moment, and then on page twenty-six of the. Uh, I think it was of the uh, the draft, the specific plan. It talks about the drainage. They're talking about six-foot laterals, and and there's a, a asbestos-lined concrete pipe. Is there no alternatives to asbestos-lined piping? Because if there was, I would think you would want to remove those and replace them with something that didn't have asbestos. Unless that's what you need to use. I'm not a builder, um, so there was that. I'd like to hear an answer on. Um, and um, just really more on the fact that the precedent, I think, uh, really sets the ball in motion for big money to come in, change the zoning, make text, uh, zoning tax amendments, and uh, really put up whatever they want. That's my opinion. But um, do you guys have anything to say about you know the 65 feet, plus the, the additional equipment, plus the possibility of an additional 10 feet, 75 feet plus equipment?
7: Yeah, sure. Um- with regard to the height of the building, you know, the intent was to try to provide a significant amount of amenities, and that's driving the height of the building. You know, the, the first story is all amenity space, effectively. And so you know, we tried to put together a project that we felt um, best served the community and, and the seniors. You know, a, a smaller project would have a lot fewer amenities. Um, and so I think you also asked a question about the, the groundwater table. Um, that was studied in the EIR as well. Um, the groundwater table is below where the subterranean garage will be excavated. We can come back with the exact groundwater level for the site uh, as a follow-up. Uh, but that, that wasn't an issue that was raised.
0: Okay, I'll have to review that. I find that hard to believe because uh, the first house I had years ago, um, similar area, Gold and Hile. Um, they, they would not allow me to go nine feet because they referenced the, the water table being right there. So, I mean, we're only talking two miles up the road here, and now you're close to the coast. So, um, that I, I find a little difficult to square. One last thing this is for the city. So, I read uh, also in the executive summary, I believe it was, the city has adopted an affordable senior housing uh, policy so is there a policy for affordable senior housing because i doubt this is going to qualify for affordable senior housing but i'd like to know where that policy is so i could read it
4: we can certainly distribute the policy to to all the council or oh, i sorry Thank commissioners you. sorry
0: yeah no i appreciate that um, would this in your opinion fall under a policy for affordable senior housing
4: I believe the applicant's already indicated this is a market rate project. Okay.
0: I didn't hear him say that. I heard him say it was five grand, but I, I didn't hear him say market rate or whether or not he thought that was affordable or not. Okay. Um, that, that's it for now. Maybe something will come up as the questions continue.
3: Thank you. Commissioner Twining?
8: Just a couple things. I, this goes to um, just some environmental issues about the the, the proposed, proposed project. Uh, low water demand landscaping uh, is that in the in the plans? Yes, sir. Okay, and also, will there be a solar component uh, to to the project at all?
7: It's not currently determined at this time. Um, it's possible. It's not a requirement uh, from the state, okay. but. I'm not sure if you've done another other projects you want to mention. But.
1: Yeah, we have limited solar in, in several of our properties where it's, where it's practical.
8: Right, I suppose if you had on-grade parking, you'd have photovoltaic uh, exactly. shade structures and that type of stuff, but you're all underground, so. Right. Okay, that's it. Okay. Commissioner
3: Adam? Yeah,
9: Commissioner Kenny. just on the groundwater stuff, um, building in the coastal zone, there's subterranean parking structures. Pretty much done for every project in the coastal zone you get active and passive the groundwater systems that manage that they're permitted by multiple agencies and it's something that's done pretty much in every project in the coastal zone of any size it's it's not as usual for residential but is there any,
0: is there any- that you can reference right now here in huntington beach close to the coast like that
9: well there's a couple in newport that just finished up i don't have uh, okay, oh, the, so I mean, the it's not as
0: prevalent as you just stated, but I, I get your point.
9: Yeah, it's not unusual, is what I'm saying. Pacific City? Pacific City, the hotels, both the hotels.
3: Okay. No more questions from the commissioners? I, I,
0: you know, I do have another question. You referenced the supply. Okay. Did, I'm sorry, did I?
3: That's did, okay, no. go ahead. Uh,
0: when you were referencing the supply, uh, you, you guys have listed five... St- five different uh, entities um so you're calling these just existing senior living communities so what's the definition of a senior living like for example landmark that's a 55 plus community is that not considered senior living so
1: senior living communities usually those that have uh have provide some sort of assistance with daily living activities or have daily living activity assistance available. 55 plus communities are generally just apartments reserved for those over 55.
0: That's not considered senior living?
1: Uh, Not in the continuum of care that we're looking at.
3: Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Wood.
10: Yeah, just to follow up on uh, Commissioner Kennedy's comment on the mechanical equipment, normally do you, guys condition projects that that equipment cannot be visible um, beyond?
6: That's correct, we currently have provisions in the zoning ordinance that prohibit um, rooftop mechanical equipment from being visible, and part of the exceptions to height limits section provides an additional 10 feet for rooftop access and screening of equipment.
10: Okay, thank you.
3: Any other commissioners?
0: <laughs> it's a big project. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> um, so I know that, um, that su- supposedly, and we'll take it at face value, that the traffic would be lessened uh, with this type of project. Um, now, I know at Beach and Ellis, when they put the Elon up, they, they, they made the same statement that it was not going to have adverse traffic effect. So I'm trying to get the, uh, the data on the accidents Pre-ELON and POST, and I, I put a voicemail into some city staff, so I'm waiting on that uh, Waiting on that data because I, I think it's actually going to prove contrary to the belief that um, this is not going to have uh, an issue because it's a lower draw uh, of traffic. So that, the, I want to just see that uh, based on, like, for example, ELON right there on Beach and Ellis. That was one of the selling points that it was going to be mitigated uh, and not an issue and I, I believe to the contrary, it's been an issue, I think the accident count is higher and this is not necessarily quite as busy of an intersection but uh, with only one entrance, a set of entrances on Bolsa Chica with the zero setback for the uh, subterranean parking, I believe you will have some level of stagnation as uh, you know, some of these seniors, they do drive, I mean they're, they're not all gonna be dropped off you know, it's going to have to go down and they're going to be cautious. So as they're going in with the zero setback, I mean, it's only going to take one or two cars to be hesitant there at the gate. You know, I would imagine there's going to be a gate that rolls back where you're going to start to have cars stacked up and have to sit there on Bolsa Chica because there's only two ways, you know, one way in on the circular, one way out, and then one way in and out on the subterranean. And I would imagine it's going to have to be, you know, 9, 10 feet down, if not a little bit more, so they're not, they're not just going to go flying in there. And I believe there is going to be a little bit of a backup there, so that's uh, just something that I thought should be at least addressed, and you guys can talk it away or whatever, but uh, I, I would like to get that study. I left uh, Hayden a voicemail today looking for some of the uh, information on pre- and post-accident counts uh, at Beach and Ellis.
3: Okay, I think that concludes Commissioner's comments. So um, at this point, um, that was the only item on the agenda tonight. I wanted to thank you both for your presentation. Thank you. It clarified some things for me with your visuals there. So thank you very much, both of you. Actually, all three of you. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And before we close for the evening, uh, Planning Commissioners, do you have any comments that you'd like to provide? Um, and we'll start at with you, Commissioner Adam.
9: Uh, thank you, Chairperson. I don't have any comments tonight.
0: Thanks.
3: Commissioner Kennedy.
0: No further comments. Thank you.
3: <laughs> Commissioner Tw- Twining.
8: <laughs> I got a whole bunch of <laughs> to talk
3: about. <laughs> I'm thank you very much. <laughs> Commissioner Wood.
10: No further comments. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
3: Commissioner Rodriguez. No
10: comments as well. Thank you.
3: Commissioner Acosta-Galvin no comments and i have no comments so um so there's no further comments and we hereby adjourn to the next planning commission meeting on tuesday september 12th and that's it for tonight 2023 of course